Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, a first-of-its-kind bill sitting on Governor Newsom's desk could change the way Amazon treats its warehouse workers. AB 701 would require all California warehouse operators to report their productivity quotas, but it's specifically aimed at Amazon, which has faced criticism for demanding workers perform high-speed repetitive tasks that can lead to missed breaks and injuries. The bill would have a major impact on the state, with 60 Amazon warehouses and 40,000 workers just in the Inland Empire alone. But many see it as a first step toward reining in the retail giant nationally. We learn more after this news. This is Forum. I'm Nina Kim. Amazon is on a hiring spree this week for corporate and technology jobs and for its distribution centers, where it's looking to hire 125,000 more workers for warehouse and delivery operations. California is home to 60 Amazon warehouses, and a bill now sitting on Governor Gavin Newsom's desk could ultimately change the way the tech and retail behemoth treats its warehouse workers particularly how it tracks employees and handles production quotas, how many items are scanned, packed, and shipped to meet our demand for convenient home delivery. But these quotas can cause grueling conditions in warehouses. Joining me now is Sebastian Herrera, tech reporter with a focus on Amazon for the Wall Street Journal. Sebastian, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So tell us about this bill sitting on Governor Newsom's desk. What would it do? So the bill would bar companies from enforcing productivity quotas and penalties that affect employees' health and safety, which would include the ability to take breaks or use the bathroom. And it would also require companies to disclose their quotas and work pace requirements to employees and state agencies. So essentially what the bill is targeting is company transparency about their worker quotas and how technology and algorithms are used in warehouse work settings. And why are people saying that this is really the first step in reining in Amazon, particularly its labor practices? Why are people seeing it as so potentially far-reaching for the company? 
Yeah, there is a lot of history there. Amazon's quotas have long been criticized by some employees and labor activists. You know, obviously we get packages in the mail quickly from Amazon, and that's probably because Amazon's strict system with their worker productivity and quotas. Uh, many workers complain that the quotas they're expected to make bar them from taking an adequate amount of breaks. There's been plenty of stories of workers getting fired after just taking a few trips to the bathroom because uh, the work environment inside a lot of these warehouses consists of a lot of repetitive motions and having to meet these quotas can become extremely stressful for employees and it can become dangerous in some ways. Um, uh, you know, Amazon has been shown to have higher injury rates than the national average, which is really largely what led to this bill is the injury rates that, that the company has been shown to have. Um, and part of the issue is that we don't know what Amazon's quotas really are. We, we're left to uh, basically uh, guess through through talking with employees and, and, and hearing stories about what they're expected to do because Amazon has never fully been transparent about what that what that looks like. They say that it's based on experience and that they're measured over time and that they take the safety and well-being of the employee into account. And they say that terminations for performance represent less than 1% of their firings, but they've never been fully transparent about what their quotas look like. And so that's what this bill really, really targets. Um, there's a lot of workers that say that can be essentially fired by an algorithm uh, because these quotas and worker productivity are essentially measured by algorithms and, and, and not really humans. Um, and, and obviously like a lot of public attention uh, in Amazon's quotas and the worker experiences gained a lot of traction this past year because of the pandemic. A lot more people were paying attention to uh, essential work that was taking place in, in these Amazon warehouses and, and warehouses in general that were getting us mm. these critical packages during the past year. Um, Amazon's obviously been very successful in the past year during the pandemic. It's, had, it's business has, has seen a lot of success because a lot of people have obviously ordered packages online. And, uh, and so, you know, workers during the past year have said that they've had to work through this health crisis while maintaining these quotas. And, and that's been very difficult for them and, and dangerous, they say. Uh, so plenty, you know, plenty of reasons why, you, why you're seeing this pop up now. Has Governor Newsom said he'd sign it, sign the bill? So he hasn't indicated yet whether he'd sign it or not. Obviously, he's just coming off of a recall election uh, this week, uh, you know, which is obviously taking a lot of his time and he's going to get back to governing now. But um, it was voted by a Democratic controlled legislature and he is a Democratic governor. So it, it may be surprising if he doesn't sign it, but uh, we'll, we'll probably see uh, here soon. There are folks who have opposed this bill, business groups in California. Can you talk about who they are and what their main argument is? Yeah, it has been opposed by some business groups, including the California Chamber of Commerce and the California Retails, Retailers Association. Amazon is a, is a member of both groups. They haven't uh, publicly taken a side, but they are a member of, of these groups. And for example, the California Retailers Association said the bill could threaten an already fragile supply chain, and that that's you know been strained by COVID the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, they say that costs could go up for companies because they might they might have to add more workers if if they're forced to lower their quotas. Um, and some businesses have also just pointed out that it's not really fair that a bill that's essentially targeting one company, Amazon, 
uh, like everyone else is going to see the fallout. Uh, so there, there's been some of the, the criticisms we've seen from the, the corporate business side. Well, Amazon is on a hiring spree this week, as I mentioned. Uh, do you think that it's connected at all to this bill and sort of seeing the writing on the wall? Or do you think it's just simply connected to the incredible growth that you described it's had over the course of the pandemic? They say it, it is connected to the growth. Um, of course, if, if you know, this bill becomes law and down the line, Amazon is forced to lower quotas, uh, because you know they're found to impede the health and safety of their employees, uh, they could be forced to add, add even more employees, which which is would be a huge challenge for them because it's already a big challenge for them uh, adding uh, the employees that they that they've had to add and the, and the announcements that they've made because we are in a really tight labor market right now. So they are pressed with these challenges of finding employees already. Uh, they've done a number of things, including raise raise their wages to to try to attract employees, but it's definitely a challenging time for the company to find workers as it is for many companies in their space. Yes, we're talking with Sebastian Herrera, tech reporter with a focus on Amazon for the Wall Street Journal. And I'd like to bring Shaheriar Koski into the conversation, executive director of the Warehouse Workers Resource Center, which is a nonprofit focused on improving working conditions in the warehouse industry in Southern California. Shaheriar Koski, welcome to Forum. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I imagine the fact that the bill has made it through the legislature was welcome news to you. First, can you describe for us the kinds of experiences that you have heard from workers who who do work in these distribution centers in California? What are some of their experiences? So we've been working with warehouse workers in the Inland Empire and L.A. County um, for the last 10 years or so. And what we've seen is that there's always been um, pro production quotas and standards on workers and that those standards are uh, increasing. And what that leads to is both injury rates that are going up, but also uh, high turnover. So workers work under these quotas, have to be able to keep up with a, a certain standard in order to you know, keep their jobs. A large percentage of workers in warehouses are either employed through staffing agencies or if employed directly still on a very contingent basis where their productivity on any given day really determines how much work they're gonna get the next day or the next week. So they're always gunning to try to keep up, try to go as quickly as they can in order to either you know, maintain their employment, go from temp to direct employment, or, you know, or potentially go you know, get a promotion. So what we see is workers working really fast. Um, you hear these stories about workers running to distribution centers um, you know, clocking 20 miles a day um, and moving really quickly, which leads to both, um, you know, injury rates that are that are higher, but also if you get injured, you're not able to keep up, right? If you if you have like a little nagging injury, often we heard from workers that, that starts kind of minor and then you slow down a little bit and then you're kind of doing other things to compensate and that leads to you being even more behind. And then eventually, you know, at some point you're you're terminated because you're not able to keep up. So these rates, again, are things that have been around for a while, but especially under companies like Amazon, we're seeing that these are getting supercharged um, because of the surveillance that Amazon has in every facility on every worker, because of the, their ability to track your rate in real time through their technology. Workers are always kind of aware of that they're being surveilled, that they're being tracked, and always moving you know, very quickly to be able to keep up with that. 
Could you explain how, if this bill is signed and becomes law, it would make a meaningful difference on the floor in these workers' lives? Specifically, do they not get information about the rate that they're they're working at, basically the pace of the work that they're doing? In some cases, I mean, every warehouse is different, even you know, within certain companies, there's different experiences that people have. But we definitely hear from a significant number of workers who either don't, you know, initially, they initially get are told a rate and then it changes, or they're working side by side with the coworker and my rate is different from your rate and it's not really clear why. So there's a lot of questions and, you know, you go to the manager in a company like Amazon, um, they say, I don't even know that algorithm said it, right? Um, so there's a real question about kind of just basic information provision to workers about, yeah, what their rate is, but also what are the implications if I you know, if I if I'm not able to keep up, um, what you know, what are, what are the impacts of me, you know, slowing down? So I think that that kind of information is is part of the bill. Um, other parts of the bill include information about um, retaliation. If if you speak up and ask these questions, workers usually are afraid to ask questions about their working conditions because, like I said, most of these workers are in very contingent workplaces. Um, they're not really sure how long their employer intends to keep them. And so you keep your mouth shut. So we, we made sure that there were some um, retaliation provisions for workers who do ask these questions, saying if you're, if you're asking these questions, if you have concerns that these, um, these quotas are gonna push you to try to either work through your breaks or you know, potentially get injured, that you have protection to ask, about those, ask questions about that and challenge those issues. And so it creates a space where workers can ask those questions. They also have uh, ability to, you know, appeal to the state labor commissioner and Cal OSHA about those issues and have them investigate. Um, again, in certain circumstances where they feel like the quota is setting them up to, uh, to do things that are illegal or potentially would injure them. So again, it's a, it's a step in the right direction. It's not going to, you know, change every single workplace in the state immediately or overnight. What it does is give workers, uh, you know, some new information some new paths to, you know, ask these kinds of questions and have these conversations with their employer in a respectful manner. And also gives the state a little bit of a heads up, like, hey, this is happening. Amazon is now the biggest private employer in the state. These are conditions that are, that are you know, occurring across our, um, our state in a lot of different warehouse operations. And it's something that, you know, enforcement agencies should be take, taking into consideration. Well, let me give our listeners a chance to ask questions. If you have questions about this bill, the California Warehouse Distribution Center bill, you can always ask them at 866-733-6786. More Forum after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com.
You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about a California bill on Newsom's desk that would require Amazon and other warehouse operators in the state to disclose more information about their productivity quotas, what they ask of their workers. We're talking with Sebastian Herrera, a tech reporter with a focus on Amazon for the Wall Street Journal. Also, Shahariar Khazji, Executive Director for the Warehouse Workers Resource Center. And you, our listeners, are with us sharing your thoughts and questions You can also tell us if you have an experience to share of working in a retail distribution center or even working in an Amazon warehouse. What were the conditions like for you? 866-733-6786 is the number to call. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Email us forum at kqed.org. And Angela writes, the real problem is that big tech is permitted to withhold data from the state and the rest of us. Regulation is only possible if we gave data about what is happening at these companies. And I should note, we invited Amazon to join the program, but they did not respond to our request. But uh, Sebastian, let me ask you how you said the company has not taken a position on it. They haven't been public about it, but... It sounds like they are conscious of it because they have definitely started to make some changes, tr- started to advertise ways that they say they're they're treating workers better. Can you describe a little bit about what you see as behind that? There's been a, a really public shift in the past year as they've seen more pressure from labor activists, unions. Uh, like what we've seen is is really publicly pub- publicly they've had this message that focuses on safety. Uh, they earlier this year said they started a safety education program for their employees and that that you know, they donated millions to the National Safety Council and are really taking a hard look at their systems. And they've had this whole uh, sort of line of becoming, quote unquote, Earth's best employer. And they you know repeat this a lot, uh, which essentially is, is like this big goal that that was set out by their founder and former CEO, Jeff Bezos. Uh, who said that, you know, who basically said publicly that the company recognized that it needs to look at the, the relationships it has with its employees at these warehouses and, and what more that it can be, it can be doing for them. And I think, I think what we've seen so far is like, they're still really in the middle of, of figuring this out and, and tackling this issue. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said, like Jeff Bezos has, has acknowledged this publicly and, and, said that the company is going to spend and invest hundreds of millions of dollars on worker safety. Um, and so I think, I think Amazon knows that it has this problem on its hands and that it has to address worker satisfaction or retention, um, which is, again, a really big issue, too, because it's only going to get harder for them to find employees, uh, not only because they're growing, but because it's, it's, uh, we're in a, in a labor market that's been, that's been really tight and, and, and been more challenging to find employees. Um, I think at, at the same time, it's fair to ask, how much can Amazon really change uh, its systems when they're largely based on getting our packages quickly delivered to customers? Uh, how much can you systematically really change that? Uh, they've obviously put a lot of automation into their facilities, and I think they've they've tried to do as much as possible. But in the short and near term, they're still going to have to rely on a lot of humans to to get packages out. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this sort of plays out. But I think what we've continued to see as well is that 
the pressure is not going to let down on Amazon. You know, they faced a, a union election in Alabama earlier this year that was uh, obviously widely covered, and and they ended up winning that election, although it's being contested right now, and, and you could actually see a, a rerun of that election. Um, but you know, labor groups, uh, huge unions like the Teamsters have have really started to de- uh, devote resources to to specifically to challenging Amazon with these sort of issues, um, especially as the company is growing and become more powerful. Sebastian, a tech reporter with a focus on Amazon Inc. for the Wall Street Journal. Really appreciate having you on today. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I want to bring two more people into the conversation. Ellen Reese is a sociology professor and chair of labor studies at the University of California, Riverside. Reese co-edited the book, The Cost of Free Shipping, Amazon in the Global Economy. Professor Reese, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Also with us is Alina Selyuk, business correspondent for NPR. Hi, Alina. Thanks so much for being here as well. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you on. Well, Professor Reese, I'll start with you. One of the things that I'm struck by is I hear about the the kinds of conditions that have existed in some of these warehouses, especially Amazon distribution centers from both uh, Shahariar and Sebastian, and also this move towards automation that uh, Sebastian was highlighting here, that can create situations that are ripe for exploitation potentially. But California is such a a strong sort of state with regard, I mean, relatively, right, with regard to worker protections. Why isn't existing law enough to cover situations at at these warehouses, which there's like 200,000 or so workers in warehouses across the state? That's a very good question. I mean, I think Part of the problem is that many employees uh, feel scared to speak up. Um, Sometimes they don't even report injuries that they've had um, because they fear employer retaliation. And I think that's one of the important things that this bill would do is to provide greater protections for workers to speak up um, about their concerns um, and and to be given basic information about the work rates that they're expected to to uh, perform by, um, you know, I I have been collecting a lot of interviews um, with former um, and current Amazon warehouse workers over the past few years. Um, I worked with a wonderful team of uh, student research assistants, um, and altogether we collected about eighty-two interviews with Amazon. Uh, warehouse workers, um, both current and former, and many of these workers um, talk about, you know, just the tremendous stress that they're under, you know, with these very, very high work rates, which sometimes increase, you know, sometimes uh, seem to vary day to day. Um, And they're very, very stressed out. um, And, you know, they feel like if they can't um, meet those rates, you know, they can get terminated. And that's a real fear, right? Many workers do get terminated because they can't keep up with a very fast pace of work. And that fast pace of work, you know, has a real cost for workers' health. Um, You know, it makes them uh, uh, at high risk of, of injury. And many of the workers that we talked to, you know, themselves had had been injured on the job or they knew somebody that had, or they observed it firsthand, right, with a coworker getting injured, right? So, you know, they experienced, you know, things like back injuries, sometimes permanent back injuries. Um, Another 
worker uh, that our team spoke to was was a brand new worker, right, who was uh, given just a few days training, put out to work, um, didn't really feel like she knew exactly what she was supposed to be doing, um, and got injured by her cart. Um, But she felt too embarrassed to let the company know. And it was, she was very, very badly bruised. And, you know, I think that's just one example of how employees sometimes feel scared to even report their injuries. Um, so those those um, official injury rates, you know, that OSHA keeps, I think we should keep in mind, they, they tend to underestimate the problem of, of workplace injuries. Um, well, I think Barbara has a comment about OSHA. Barbara in San Francisco, join us. Thank you for taking the call, and welcome to your new host. Um, I think it's very important at this point that we substantially beef up the staffing at OSHA. I understand that its staffing and ability to provide services has been decimated for whatever reason. So they have to come to meet the need. That needs to be financed and, and, and staffed properly to handle this. Because people, even if they're brave enough to bring up a concern against which they could get retaliated, there has to be the staff at OSHA to handle their concern and move on it and investigate. Please, they need to have enough people to follow through on this if the bill passes. All righty? Thanks, Barbara. Alina Selig, I want to get your reaction to that because some of the business groups who oppose this bill basically say that's where you should be focusing your attention on OSHA and making sure that they have the capacity to enforce existing strong laws. Yes, that is um, one of the things that uh, at least like the California Retailers Association really highlighted when I talked to them. They said, um, you know, Sebastian kind of highlighted their main points having to do with the fact that um, you know, the bill targets Amazon, but would affect a lot of other companies. And uh, the critics have said that it would raise costs and specifically create new costs of uh, what they expect would be a rampant litigation, sort of a wave of litigation that this um, bill would unleash. But then another argument that they'd made was that um, OSHA, Cal OSHA, um, should be beefed up and better funded um, to enforce the laws that already exist and that do sort of provide various paths for raising concerns about workplace safety um, at places that, you know, have problems with it. Um, but of course, you know, the the author of the bill and um, worker advocacy groups would say that more, more focused, more targeted warehousing bills um, would sort of per- perpetuate or would continue the conversation to be a little more focused and zoomed in on this particular industry. Right. So, Shaharyar Kasji, are you confident that, say, OSHA gets this data about these data about the uh, the productivity quotas and so on, that they're able to really monitor it and do something about it? I think so. I mean, I think there's, it's, you know, there's so many different workplaces in the state and so many workers. It's, it's never going to be feasible that OSHA can, you know, investigate and, and investigate every single facility. We think and agree that OSHA needs a, a huge amount more resources and support. And every time we've raised that, you know, industry backers freak out and really oppose it. So um, we really think that it's a it's a dynamic where we need additional resources for OSHA, additional tools for OSHA and the California Labor Commissioner, which this bill would create. create. Um, but also, again, right right for workers to be able to speak up 
um, directly because again, there's never going to be enough inspectors to, to hit every single facility um, in any given year. And so we need people to be able to feel comfortable speaking up in their workplace, no matter what the situation is, to speak directly to their employer and um, you know depend on and you know get support from the state, but also feel comfortable speaking up, connected with their their coworkers as is protected by the law, to to say hey we want to you know know what's going on we want to understand what our conditions are without facing retaliation. So we need we need all of those things, and I, we think this bill you know covers covers a lot of that. We're talking with Shahari Arkazji, Executive Director for the Warehouse Workers Resource Center, a nonprofit focused on improving working conditions in the warehouse industry in Southern California. Alina Selyuk is with us, a business correspondent for NPR, and Ellen Reese, sociology professor and chair of labor studies at the University of California, Riverside. You, our listeners, are also with us. What are your thoughts about a bill sitting on Newsom's desk that would require Amazon and other warehouse operators to disclose more data about the productivity quotas, about their employees, and what they ask of their employees with regard to production? Do you have an experience to share about working at an Amazon warehouse or a distribution center in the state? Call us at 866-733-6786, email us, forum at kqed.org, or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Ellen Reese. Speaking of working at a warehouse in the state of California, you're at UC Riverside. Shahariar is in Ontario, I believe. Can you just talk a little bit about how how far and how deeply Amazon's reach exists in the Inland Empire? I don't know that everybody is familiar with that across the state. Yeah, uh, in the Inland Empire, the warehouse and logistics industry is like one of the top five employers and Amazon is the, the uh, largest private sector employer in the region. So it has an enormous economic impact. And, and I think, you know, but this is an issue, not just for our region, but also for our state. I mean, we, we, the warehouse industry has, has grown tremendously uh, as has Amazon, especially during the pandemic. Uh, you know, and so statewide, you know, warehouse workers make up about a hundred thousand workers in in our state. You know, and nationwide, you know, we have over a million employees working for Amazon, right? Um, and you know, so I think this is a real opportunity for our state and our governor to, to show leadership uh, around issues of work worker safety, to set a, an example for other states to follow. One of the concerns I've heard, Ellen Reese, is that putting requirements on Amazon that could ultimately make them have to hire more workers or increase their costs or just make it harder to do business here could cause Amazon to reduce its footprint here, to leave the state to some extent. But you don't think that's likely. Why not? Why is California positioned in a way where Amazon would really like to be here? Well, first of all, we've got a... a huge and growing consumer market, right? Our population's growing and more and more consumers, right, are here in our state. Um, I also think, you know, there we need to differentiate like short-run costs and long-term costs, right? And I think it's really honestly in the long-term interest of Amazon and other warehouse employers to treat their workers right, to to allow them to have just basic health and safety on the job, right? It would reduce their litigation costs if they did that. It would also reduce their turnover costs, right? The costs of of trying to recruit more and more workers to replace workers that are quitting because they hate it, right? Uh, 
or who got injured on the job, right? And, and there's costs of onboarding all these new employees all the time. Uh, so, you know, to make decent working conditions that are safe, you know, would really help to attract and retain more employees. And I think that's in the long-term interest, both of the, the warehouse industry, but also of our state, right? I think we need to remember that when workers get injured, right? It doesn't just impact that one worker, right? That worker, in fact, is often supporting a family. And, and research has shown about 59% of, of frontline warehouse workers have a child to support, right? So uh, if, if we have an industry where, where, uh, where the injury rates are so high, and this is a very dangerous industry generally compared to under it, other industries, and then Amazon's injury rate, right, which underestimates the problem as already shown it's like twice as high as the industry average which is very high right so this is a very dangerous industry and it has impacts not just on the individual workers but their families and our communities right it it may uh, increase issues of unemployment in our communities of poverty of disability uh, so I think we really need to to you know do something to to protect our workers in the state and, and set an example for other states to follow. Well, that's the big question, Alina, Sol- Alina Solyuk. How much are other businesses eyeing what California is doing, especially ones that have, like, say, the Walmarts of the world, or that that are looking to see whether California's law could become a national, could or California's bill could ultimately influence national standards? Absolutely, they're watching it. And to be clear, it would also affect them. Uh, Walmart also has warehousing facilities and many other retailers do, uh, which is why it's this bill is um, kind of being watched so much by the business groups locally, but also nationally. Um, California historically has paved the way for um, um, labor laws to perpetuate through the country. Other states often look at California and it's often on the forefront sort of opening the door to what's possible um, for safety regulators, for instance. In this particular case, um, one of the safety experts I spoke with said that even the federal OSHA could be looking to see how this bill uh, progresses and how it affects California warehouses to see, um, sort of to get both political but also um, economic data and understanding of how it could you know, change its approach on the national level. Um, those are definitely questions that are being watched by all the retailers, uh, large and small. We're talking with Alina Selyuk of NPR, Ellen Reese of the University of California, Riverside. Shahari Arkowski is, is with us, Executive Director of the Warehouse Workers Resource Center. And we'll have more with you, our listeners, after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about a California bill that could rein in production quotas at warehouses that critics say have been excessive and have forced workers to forego things like their state-mandated breaks and so on. And in particular, the bill is aimed at Amazon. It's AB 701, and you, our listeners, are invited to share your thoughts on it and what you've heard during the show about it. It's sitting on Governor Newsom's desk now. You can also share if you work in a retail distribution center or have worked or work in an Amazon warehouse and whether the things that you're hearing square with you. And let me go to Robert in Berkeley on that. Hi, Robert. Hi. Hi. I did a a five-hour shift this morning in uh, the largest sorting facility in the Bay Area. And I'm not seeing the abuses that uh, that you're describing. Um, I admit that the, uh, the environment in a sort center is different from the environment in a picking center, and it's different from the environment uh, in a delivery center. And a lot of the delivery drivers, by the way, uh, are um, from an outside contractor. So I don't know how much uh, of their experience is, uh, is attributable to Amazon so much as uh, their subcontractor. But uh, we go through a, a safety training in orientation. They tell us how to properly uh, move a cart, how to properly move a pallet jack without running over your feet, but people still manage to do it. And a lot of the injuries that I see are related to people who do not follow the stated safety rules. Um, we have step stools uh, if you have to get up high. And I still see people stepping on top of a pallet jack in order to get up, and then they don't understand why the pallet jack rolled out from under them. Well, um, Rob, yeah, thanks for sharing your experience. I'd be curious to get Shahari Arkazji's response to to what you have had as your experience at a sorting center. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm glad you've had safe experiences. And I think I basically agree with you that there are different experiences at different facilities, depending not just on the company, but also on the, the part of, of the distribution set system that you're in. Um, I think um, what we're concerned about is certain instances uh, where workers are you know, incentivized and, and pushed to actually t- cut those corners, like you said, to not necessarily um, follow all those procedures, whether they're trained to or not, because of the rate. So in, in cer- circumstances like your own, um, you might not have that rate pressure, which is great and appreciated. Uh, in other sites, it is. And it's not the worker's fault that they're necessarily take, cutting those corners if they have to do it in order to make rates. So we hear a lot about that sort of thing where they don't use the step stool because it's quicker to, instead of making that step, to just reach and stretch. And reaching and stretching are key, you know, factors in, in back injuries or workers that literally are running, right? Because they're given a certain pe- period of time to get that piece that they're picking in a fulfillment center. So, um, yeah, not claiming that every single warehouse worker is in a situation where this is happening, but I think the injury rates, um, the turnover rates indicate that this is happening too much. And so in cases like your own, you know, if, if you're, you're feeling safe, then this shouldn't affect the situation in any real way. But it, for those who are affected, it, it would give them some new protections. Well, let me go to Robert in San Francisco. Another Robert. Hi, Robert. Hey, yeah. Uh, and the opposite view, in a way, of, of what Robert is expressing. Um, although my experience in the actual warehouse is kind of limited. I'm in the outer 
orbit of Amazon with uh, Amazon Flex. So, uh, you know, I'm in the warehouse to pick up packages and then deliver them. But um, I feel very lucky that I haven't been injured. And um, I do see safety um, measures in the warehouse. But when I'm out on the road delivering, the rate at which I'm supposed to deliver to make any sort of cash is, I mean, you are hoofing it out there going through, you know, parking as best you can and going in and out of gates. And um, really, after you consider gas and the wear and tear on your vehicle, you're down around $10, $11 an hour. Mm. Um and it's just substandard, and it's it's embarrassing that there's not government regulation in getting you know higher pay for um, deliveries. But for sure, there's all sorts of ways I can be injured if I were to increase my pace. Um, and I've just been—I honestly count myself lucky that I I haven't been in, injured. Um, there needs to be government intervention in a really big way that um, this Amazon has gotten away with, like, just gotten away with everything. And they're opening 100 more warehouses across the country. Um, it's only going to get worse. Um, yeah. So that's, well, Robert, that's what I have to say. Thank you. You're making me think of so many things. There is, we could do a whole show on the experience of delivery drivers with this increase in home delivered goods and, and the demand for it among Americans for sure. But I think what you're also making me think about is just how, how broad uh, Amazon's tentacles are. We, we've done shows on this before and realized just the impact that they have on the state, the the nation, and the and the global economy as well. One of the things that it makes me think about Ellen Reese is also one of the things that's been pointed out about this bill is that it actually has implications for broader, even broader than warehouses, in terms of using algorithms, using technology to monitor workers across the whole spectrum of activities that a company does. Do you see it having that kind of a reach potentially? Well, I personally, I would hope so. And I, I would hope that, you know, if we, if we can pass this legislation uh, in California around warehouse workers, you know, it well set a precedent, you know, not simply for other states, but also for other industries and employers as well. Uh, it'll, you know, get their attention, you know, that workplace safety is really important. Well, let me go to caller Walter in San Leandro now. Hi, Walter. Hi, uh, good talking to you. The, my question is, where are the labor unions? Where is uh, the ILWU, the retail clerks for Whole Foods, uh, obviously the uh, Teamsters for the drivers? Why aren't the workers getting in touch with these organizations? And uh, I know there's an organizing problem with getting into the meeting, but I'm sure these organizations would be more and happy to talk with these people who have complaints and help them organize. Uh, well, let me go to Lena Selyuk on that in terms of uh, unions and their involvement in all of this. Well, unions have been trying to organize Amazon 
for many years, and they continue to be trying, um, there have been not, not uh, no successful unionization efforts quite yet. Um, there have only been several votes taken by workers, and um, people might not know, but it takes kind of, it's a, it's a whole procedure to get approval for a vote and the, and the union election, and um, there are rules around it, and that has been breached a couple of times. And so far, those couple of times in the past, and I'm talking in the history of Amazon in the U.S., um, both times that the election took place, um, workers voted against unionizing. There is a massive focus on Amazon among unions and some of the unions that the caller just mentioned. Um, and specifically, one most high profile um, unionization effort is, you could say, still continuing in Alabama, this is a warehouse in Bessemer, right, right outside Birmingham, and um, union vote there took place this spring. It was quite surprising. It came together very fast. It's a fairly new warehouse. It's extremely large. So it was a very, in, in the context of union votes, this was a really large vote. Um, I think over 5,000 people voted um, or could vote, excuse me, and um, about half of them did vote and uh, workers um, voted down unionizing, voted against unionizing uh, at a rate of more than two to one. Now we're in the situation uh, where the union, uh, which is Retail Wholesale uh, Department Store um, Workers Union, I am butchering the, their formal name, it's RWDSU, and um, they have uh, sort of appealed or they have filed a complaint uh, with the National Labor Relations Board saying, accusing Amazon of unfair labor practices, essentially unfairly swaying workers uh, in, in favor of not unionizing, against unionizing. And a um, officer, one of the officers of this Federal Labor Relations Board um, has um, shared or published um, a report that suggested that in, indeed um, Amazon unfairly swayed the uh, election, its anti-union campaign, you know, un had had an impact of changing the results so much that this um, official recommended that the workers in Bessemer get to vote a second time. Amazon has um, rejected all these accusations and has appealed the, these, these, this recommendation and these findings. Um, now we are waiting, I think any day now, um, over the next few weeks, um, the overseeing regional director of this federal labor board is going to issue her decision on whether this recommendation stands and whether the Bessemer workers get to vote a second time, try again, essentially, to, to vote on this unionization um, yes. push. And if uh, Bessemer does get a union, it would be the very first unionized warehouse in the u.s in america right? yeah in, in america, america. and i think canada is trying to do uh an effort there too they also do not have a unionized amazon facility interestingly alina your reporting also shared that people who are opposed to this the california retailers association for example really felt like unions are trying to get this proprietary data that they called it proprietary in terms of um quotas and productivity information in part to really boost their labor organizing efforts. Yes, they they pointed that out. Um, this was sort of a suggestion made to me that that the ultimate goal of this bill, um, which which is supported by a number of unions, um, was to 
sort of progress the labor organizing efforts at Amazon. Um, and and I, I, I do think that one of the key uh, potential impacts of this bill would be to create more of a procedure to get information to actually understand what the quotas look like, what the speed metrics are. Even in, you know, we've heard from some workers that experiences differ so much across warehouses that maybe this way workers in some warehouses get a better understanding of what workers at other warehouses are experiencing. Because these data are unavailable from Amazon or from most other companies, um, I think that could be a really big change. We're talking with Alina Salyuk, business correspondent at NPR. Ellen Reese is with us, a sociology professor and chair of labor studies at UC Riverside, and Shahar Yarkazdi, executive director at the Warehouse Workers Resource Center in Southern California. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim, and let me go to Robert, who writes, it may not be quite right to make the blanket statement California is such a strong worker protection state. There are enormous powerful forces actively degrading hard-won protections with increasing success. For example, look at the ballot initiative overriding Sacramento legislation protecting so-called independent contractors. Uh, thanks, Robert. I think you're probably responding to something that I said, and, and I did... Um, I did have that thought myself and added relatively to the end, but your comment is noted. And in addition, Curtis also writes about that uh, legislation that you allude to. Curtis writes, like Uber and Lyft, Amazon's goal is to remove humans from its warehouses and distribution through automation and technology. Workers are an interim step toward that goal. Ellen Reese, I was wondering if you could comment a little bit on what you are seeing in terms of the use of algorithms and technology and how you see that changing the lives of uh, warehouse or distribution workers or, or just workers broadly, considering the fact that it's something that can be applied so ubiquitously. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, well. My team of uh, research assistants and I collected these interviews from, from warehouse workers, about 82 of them uh, that were former and current Amazon warehouse workers. And, and across the board, they, they were really concerned um, with being monitored electronically. And it just, it was very, very stressful, right? Uh, to be constantly monitored, not simply on whether you are making rate, you know, uh, making a certain production goal, uh, but also how much time you spend off task is also measured. Um, and they can't spend more than, say, six minutes, right, off task, right, um, which makes it very, very difficult for them to use a restroom sometimes, depending on where they're stationed in the warehouse. And you have to remember, some of these warehouse facilities are enormous, right? And so to walk from your workstation to the bathroom and back, Right. If you do that, you sometimes get dinged for being taking time off task. Right. And that's a basic human need that we have to go to the bathroom. But warehouse workers, much like delivery drivers, are, are reporting that they don't have that ability to, to use the bathroom when they need to. Some of them, you know, don't drink water when they probably should. They're getting dehydrated. Uh, they're waiting, you know, for the end of their shift or the work break to, to use the bathroom or they're, you know, taking measures into their own hands. Sometimes they find trash cans or bottles or something like that, you know. So it's not a good situation at all. I mean, this is kind of shocking that this kind of uh, conditions are happening um, in our state at this time. 
Well, Emily writes, as a pharmacist working in retail, I cannot help but notice the parallels between us and Amazon workers. We, too, are held to an insurmountable amount of metrics and evaluated on them as we fill prescriptions, provide vaccinations, and counsel patients. All of this seems to be on the back burner compared to the metrics we are told to attain. I worry that patient safety is compromised, not to mention the well-being of staff. Articles describe this plight of pharmacy workers in early 2020, but it has long been forgotten. Jared in San Jose, let me see if I can squeeze you in. Jared, thanks for waiting. Yeah, no problem. I just wanted to make a comment. I was going to make comments. Uh, I work on site at some of these warehouses, but I'm going to actually talk more about, um, I'm glad that you guys are bringing up the comments of algorithms in relation to uh, on-site safety. Um, I think that that's a huge, huge issue here because um, Corporations uh, are totally, you know, forming how long tasks take purely on numbers, and they're not considering um, on-site safety. Uh, I'm a field technician uh, with building safety, and it I see it constantly across the board, uh, whether or not I'm working at a warehouse or not. Um, people doing unsafe things to complete tasks in a in a timely manner. So, and we don't get we don't get bonuses for finishing anything, you know, quickly, but you know, there are, um, uh, you know, in, to not go into overtime or to go home at the eight-hour you know, limit uh, of working, uh, people do unsafe stuff every day just to get things done, and, and, and corporations are not paying uh, close attention to how those people are getting those things done. They may be trained but to do things properly, but they're not given the time to do it properly. Sherry Yarkowski, we're hearing... Jared talking about his experience and, and from a lot of listeners whose comments I can't get to in terms of just their questions about what can consumers do who are concerned about these conditions and improving conditions? What can they do? We just have 20 seconds. I mean, obviously in the short term, you know, calling on Gavin Newsom or governor to um, stand with workers who stood with him a few days ago and, you know, sign this bill. Um, it's not going to fix everything, but it's a step in the right direction. And then if you're a consumer, you know, you know, saying we want, you know, I'm a consumer at Amazon or whatever workplace, I believe my, you know, the workers who work moving these goods for me deserve good conditions. And I think there's petitions, there's organizing that's happening from the consumer side. But at the, at the end of the day, Amazon is dependent on the consumers. If the consumers say this is what we want, they'll have to listen. Sherry Kosji of the Warehouse Workers Resource Center, Alina Selyuk of NPR, and Ellen Reese of the University of California, Riverside. Thanks to all of you for joining us. And thanks to Blanca Torres for producing this segment. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Generosity Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.